When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You're wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out TetheredNation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. Well, Matthew, I don't know about you, man, but... Uh, well, you, you've you actually gotten to sleep in this week a little bit, probably compared yeah, a few, to... A few mornings, yeah. Yeah, compared to what uh, you were doing last week. But I, on the other hand, have been up now for a lot, a lot of hours. <laughs> I, I got all my grinding done while you were you were doing the honeydews. yeah. Man, dude, you had a you had a killer week last week. I'm uh I'm excited it, to hear more about it. We we can break it down. It was my my best week by far in the deer woods. If y'all don't know Matthew Reeves, uh, we had him on our creator series last winter. Um, me and Matt did a hunt together, um, a bonus buck hunt. Both of us were tagged out. And uh, Matt got more tagged out on that hunt, <laughs> and I just stayed regular tagged out. Just I stayed, you know, um, poor man tagged out. But you, rich man tagged out, got that extra buck, dude. What the heck, man? Like l- last year, yeah. last year was a really good <laughs> year for you, and then you just come out swinging this year. Well, you you said it uh, in some of your previous podcasts. You know, you have a successful year the last year and you wonder if you can repeat that again and then you start to doubt yourself the doubt sinks in and i'm not going to say doubt didn't sink in with me even this early in the season but it sure did you know you a lot of sets don't see many deer and then all of a sudden it just turns on for you and uh it looks like it's just easy but it's it's really not <laughs> yeah everybody thinks it's easy <laughs> everybody thinks you're going out there making it look easy and it's like no you ain't seen the five days where I've been out here grinding straight, you know, and like, dude, I've been doing two thirty, two thirty wake ups because I don't want to be late right now. Like I've, I have prepared my mind, prepared my heart, prepared my wife for zombie Parker. Like this is, we're in that time of the season, but you, you mentioned something, Matt, that I thought was interesting. Um, this early, you said this early in the season, uh, and and I have to keep reminding myself that it's this early in the season. And with social media and the fact that, I mean, me and you both, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of friends on Facebook who just added you because you showed up and recommended friends and they're in Kansas or Missouri or wherever. And for them, this is late in the season, you know. And so it's hard to remind yourself that we're in Alabama and our season hadn't really kicked in yet, like – November has pretty much been everybody else's October. You know what I mean? Right. And and usually in seasons past, um, November is the, a dead month for me. I can usually count my early season, get a couple bow hunts. But when gun season kicks in, I usually just, you know, 
sit at the house, try to do some scouting, but nothing, nothing's on fire. But I ch- kind of changed where I was hunting up this year to uh, capitalize, you know, a little earlier in the season or try to at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like you said, you you get this um, I don't know look that everybody else is killing deer except for you. Uh, and, and I mean, you see, you see that on Alabama deer hunters page yeah. e- anywhere, you know, you feel like you're the one left out, but there's, you know, thousands of other people over here that haven't even seen a deer, yeah. uh, much less kill one. So yeah. it's a, it, it's a pretty neat way to look at stuff and just can just mess with your head big time. So you kill both of these bucks on public land. Um, and one of the, I guess we should say that you killed two bucks last week. Um, great deer like really good representations of Alabama white-tailed deer, like really solid deer. One of them, if I'm not mistaken, is your personal best ever, right? Yeah, yeah. the second second bucket shot was my, my best buck ever, private, public land, anything. So that was, that was awesome. That's so cool. I've said it a lot, man, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing me saying it, uh, but you're super consistent, dude, like – you're you're literally one of my favorite people that post videos on YouTube um, for a couple different reasons. But number one, you're extremely consistent. You kill deer like it's going out of style. Uh, we have similar uh, similar mindsets when it comes to scenario based hunting. Like we go out to kill big bucks, and most of the time we're going to try. I mean, that's what we're out there to try to do. But if the scenario is right, uh, we don't have a problem shooting a a dink to make the to make the memory you know that that's right and uh, i've i've followed you from your uh i guess you'd say growth as a hunter you know going from we would we would both shoot whatever we want to now you're just putting down dang slammers you know every year um but i, I kind of told myself that this year i was like look i gotta i gotta hold back just a little bit i mean you can you can go back and look at some of my videos on my channel and you know there's some there's some small bucks on there but you know not to say i'm not proud of them i worked hard for them um and i continue to work hard for these bigger deer as well maybe just a little harder everything's a progression though i mean you got to progress and and the way i saw it for me was you know i and i still have scenarios dude i'm telling you right now you can mark my words, Matt. My dad's coming into town tomorrow, and if we go out there and we just happen to be sitting together, and he shoots a spot, which he's gonna be shooting whatever buck he sees. He like, and I'd be pissed if he didn't. Like, I want him to shoot any buck. He lives in Texas where they have all these strict rules. You know, he doesn't get to shoot a lot of deer out there. Yeah. And uh, he gets to come out here and do the public land, public land thing, and he shoots whatever deer, whatever deer he sees. I I want him to shoot, and so. Um, it's great if we're out there and we happen to be out there together and two like spikes come out, dude. I will waste a buck tag on a spike for that memory. Go, that's that's great. And it has nothing to do. It's not a. It's not an ego thing. It's not like oh, I no. gotta kill it. You know, I, I don't want to kill a spike, but for that memory, bro, I would, I'd be down. Like you, you just you, you. There's scenarios like that, right? You. you that's you're exactly right now i've hunted with some buddies you know and we're like hey if 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 it's brown it's down you know you hear that saying all the time and it gets old it can be pretty corny but i don't know when you're with your dad or a good friend it's more about the adventure rather than the accomplishment of killing a big deer yeah if you kill a big deer it's icing on the cake you know but if you can just have a story and a memory to put with that person for the rest of your life that's what really holds tight to me yeah i love it man but but the other thing that I was going to say about you is that, um, you know, you, you, you're just consistent. Like, you're going out there and, and you're constantly working hard. You're creating excellent videos. Um, genuine. I, I've said this before about my buddy Catman, you know, Jonathan. He, um, he doesn't do any kind of fancy editing or anything like that. He's just... The cat man that you see on his videos is the cat man that you meet in real life. You know, like he's just the right. same. And I really appreciate people like that who are who are the same way. You know, they don't have to. They're not trying to be, you know, the next Steve Ranella or the next um, Bill Bill Jordan. They're trying to be who yeah. they are. You know, and I love <laughs> it. I love that stuff. Um, but so uh, another announcement, I guess. 
I finally killed an Alabama buck this morning. <laughs> it's taken you me. Did. It's taken me long enough this season. I'm dang self-employed. Don't have a boss. I can work or hunt as much as I feel like going. And it has taken a long time to get an Alabama buck on the ground, but we finally got it done today. Um, he was a nice one. From, yeah, from what I saw in the pictures, yeah. pictures you posted, <laughs> pretty awesome. Got a pretty pretty cool story to go with it too. So yeah, that's, we were talking about it. it. Talking about it earlier, we we're good at taking pictures. I um, sometimes sometimes pictures make a deer look smaller than it is, and then sometimes like deer like this, like the deer that I killed, like he's just big enough to look big in some pictures, and yeah, it was hard the, for the me G2s to twos go from the G twos go from six inches to you know ten or twelve, <laughs> yeah, you know, just crazy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and you start using like wide angle lenses and stuff like that, and it's like. It, it just makes him look huge and he's not huge but he's he's a fine deer for what i was trying to kill but um we were talking this morning uh and i i had already told you like hey let's do a podcast this week um i want to talk about your week but um as we were talking this morning about uh, i was telling you my story um about hunting this thermal hub which is something that uh and and you don't feel bad that you you because you were kind of like I don't even know what that really is, um, yeah. But as I watched one of your videos, it looked very much like a thermal hub type setup, which can be really good for this time of the season. But that you're not the only person. Like literally every person I've told, uh, hey, I you know they ask me the story. I say you know I, he was cruising this thermal hub, um, and they're like I don't know what that is. What does that even mean? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I've heard the term and I've tried to dissect it. Like I've told you, I can with my job, I can read a map and know the topo map and how everything lies, saddles, benches, ridges, whatever. Um, but when it comes to where this thermal hub is, you know, I, I've hunted them all my life, um, but didn't really know that's what it was. Uh-huh. Uh, so that, that was pretty neat to clarify that and you know pinpoint that a little more, be able to put a name with a you know an object. I think a lot of people hear other people talk about it, and they don't really know necessarily what it is. Why is why is a deer there? How should I hunt it? That's the that's the number one thing I hear from people is how do you even hunt a thermal hub? The people who do know what it is because it sounds kind of dangerous. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think I think people overcomplicate it. Uh, they sure overexplain they it uh, to where you're like, well, heck, where is this little magical hole in the in the mountains? You yeah. know. Um, <laughs> the magical it's hole pretty, in the it's pretty, it, it's pretty simple, uh, when, when you just cut dry and just say what it is. Yeah. So here, here's, I mean, everybody kind of knows what a hubcap is, right? You, you have on, think of a bicycle, you have your hub and you have the spokes that come out of it. Now think of that as, think of those spokes as points coming down off of ridges. Now what, in a little bit of research, I have never hunted like a high thermal hub, um, and I I can't really explain that one nearly as good. And I've it would basically be like where the top of the ridge is what um, splits off and goes a whole bunch of different directions, um, which I, I guess I could see that working the same way out here. Though I typically don't find bucks uh, on ridge tops unless they're just they are just pushing a doe over them, or maybe they're bedding you know, close to the top of a ridge or something like that. Uh, but I don't find many of them, like, cruising ridgetops. In Kentucky, it's the opposite. Uh, they're all over the ridgetops. But, so, for the just the purposes of this podcast, we're going to kind of talk about what I think would be the most valuable for hunters in the southeast, which would be those uh, low thermal hubs where you would have Think of almost like, a, uh, and, and I'm not talking to you, Matt. I'm talking to listeners, um, just trying to set it up yeah. as good as I can. Think of like a bowl, right? Um, everybody's kind of seen a bowl in a map where you just have like a, a hole pretty much. Now think of a bunch of different points dumping down into that bottom, right? So, uh, or, or you have maybe four or five different ridges that are all converging into this one spot. 
and it creates it doesn't necess- that wouldn't necessarily create a bowl but it would create um in the bottom right there you would have several different creek systems and drainages that go up and th- and that's kind of how I would describe a thermal hub the best way that I can so oh, that was that was good so we know this right we know that th- this is elementary rut hunting I would say in hill country that a lot of times bucks are going to cruise the top, let's just say the top third of a ridge because that's where they, the, of the leeward side of a ridge, because the wind comes over the top of it, the thermals come up from the bottom, and this would be assuming that it's after the thermals start rising, so you get midday movement in these type of areas, you get that uh, like 9 o'clock, 9.30 type movement in these type of areas because that's when the thermals, the sun starts hitting that bottom, heating up the air, and it starts rising. And so the, the, the wind coming over the top and the thermals rising from the bottom create a, a tunnel, basically, that these deer can walk through and they can scent check what's above them and what's below them. They can, they can scent check for does or whatever. Um, <clears throat> typically... I find, and this is where in your video, I I kind of put it together that it looked like a thermal hub because there was a scrape down in the bottom, right? That's kind of what you were hunting that that deer was going down yeah. to. Um, yeah. Which which I was I was and I was sitting in the bottom, so yeah. Yep, and and, that, and that's really a lot of times, man. As much as you don't want to. A lot of times that's where you have to sit is down in that bottom. And rifle hunting, it's actually pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. Because even if, you're, even if your wind does get to them, a lot of times you're able to get a shot off before, either before they get to that where your thermals are rising um, or falling. Um, so it, you, you were hunting over this scrape that was down in the bottom. Um, we know that at in the dark when it's, when the thermals are falling that these deer are going to make all their nighttime sign down in those, the bottom of the thermal hubs. Um, and this is something that I was thinking about today, thinking about your deer and thinking about my deer where I was at, there were rubs and scrapes all over this bottom. Um, and I was thinking, well, yeah, because at night they cruise at night too, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they cruise at night the same way as they cruise in the daytime. But when we see them in the daytime, the thermals are rising. So they're up on the top and they're cruising down low and making all that sign. So kind of explain, explain the way that your, your spot where you killed these two big bucks is the same spot, right? Is the exact same spot. Well, so no, the the first buck was at the front of it. And then the, the big, the biggest deer I was up towards the back on another ridge that was buttoned up to the old cutover. Um, but well, what's funny is we talk about the sign and scrapes and I try to take a new perspective to scrapes this year to not hunt over them. I just told myself I was not going to hunt over them because I don't kill deer off scrapes. I, I just, I don't have good luck with it. So a lot of people say in the South, um, I, uh, I actually talked to Jamie McKay, who is a pretty highly respected deer hunter around here. Um, first time I ever talked to him on a podcast, I think it was the first podcast he'd ever done. Um, and I said, I said, so let me ask you this, Jamie, do you hunt over scrapes? He said, no. And I said, why? He said, well, if you hunt over as many scrapes and never killed a deer on one as I have, then you'd probably stop hunting them too. (laughs) I mean, you change it up. Yeah. And, and, you know, as, as tempting as they are, you, uh, you know, a buck was there. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to want to hunt it, but just to go back, uh, I map scouted this place and I walked into it blind with a buddy of mine and we were up on a little saddle and I said, I said, there's going to be a scrape down there um, on on one of these ridges, flats. There's going to be a scrape somewhere down there. And sure enough, we went down there, there's dogwood tree, big old scrape. I mean, just had been done that morning. We went in a little later to be able to see. So we get done with the hunt, whatever. I was like, well, I'm going to put a camera on it. I had one on it, just old Tasco. Put it on there. Didn't think nothing about it. Just was going to leave it. Wasn't even going to come back in there that year. Was just going to learn it for next year. Well, I come back. I think I decided to go in there like 2, 
two days later on the evening, I checked the camera, and there's five different bucks hitting this scrape in the daytime. I mean, every day there's been a buck at 9.30, 8.30, 10 hitting these scrapes, uh, or this one scrape. So I, I told myself, well, you know, I need to be in here. So then that then turned into me going in um, the first, that, that Wednesday morning. Uh, I think it was the – for me, it was the coldest morning I've been able to hunt. I think it got down to 27. So, I, you know, I had – pretty high confidence that one of those bucks that had been daylight and was going to daylight again and uh sure enough a buck that i'd never had pictures of uh came down off the hill and i, I was able to shoot him uh, you can see in the video but what what it was is there there ended up being a hot dough in there at the time and these these bucks had just gone crazy every one of them was peeing scrapes i mean i had on video mode some really cool stuff um had had another big buck come through that first morning chasing does coming off the ridge down down in there but that the buck I shot came off the ridge like you were said just cruising to where he could get that get that scent with the wind and the thermals pulling to where it hit him wherever he was he could, he could know what was in there and I was able to shoot him before he knew I was in there so when you uh you said he came and it looks like in the video that he came pretty quickly down that hill um had there already been a doe come through or there had well well i I was the doe um oh, okay I had sprayed a bunch of doe pee on my boots and I, I that's the way i walked in i walked in off the top of that hill and came down now they're they're in the video you'll see a spike he goes up walks right under the scrape and walks right up where that buck came from so when i heard another heard a deer coming it was like right after that spike i thought it was a spike again but it wasn't, it was this buck. Um, and all, all I saw was one side and I said, that's good enough. Uh, <laughs> if you have a spike, if you have a spike on the other side, I'm, I'm still going to shoot you. Um, but didn't have much time to make that decision. So let me, let me explain this to you too, uh, or not explain anything to you, but just kind of tell you how my hunt went this morning. Um, very similar type thing. Uh, he was just going to, cruise the this hub and just go all the way around it you could tell exactly what he was going to do and and actually in the video i like an hour before i shot the deer um i guess a backstory i've hunted over the past like six years i've probably hunted this spot four times and i've never seen a single deer in this area um i sent you the picture matt of the the mud where i parked the kayak at and you would Unreal. think you would think that there is no way that you could go into that area and not see twenty deer, if you saw the amount. I mean, it is tracks on top of tracks on top of tracks. It looks like hogs. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's the most I've ever seen at one time in one spot. And so it was really a burner spot. You know, the wind was supposed to kind of do a one eighty degree turn um, between like six and nine this morning so it was pretty much the worst timing ever for a big huge wind shift and so I was like well I don't want to go in any of my good areas because I don't want to burn you know I don't want to take a chance of educating anything so I'll go into this spot I always see tracks here <clears throat> I don't ever see deer there but I've also never hunted it deer in the rut so I'll just go and try it it's kind of a burner and and also the other thing with the thermal hub is you're going to be kind of screwed on your wind no matter what, when you hunt one of those, you're, you're really taking a chance unless you just have a really, really strong wind. But in that case, I don't feel like the thermals, I don't feel like the thermal hub works if the wind overpowers no. the thermals. Correct. And so, uh, like literally an hour before I killed this deer, I said, okay, here's why I'm sitting here. Here's why I'm set up these, all these points are coming down, dumping down into this one bottom, and I can I'm sitting right in the middle where they all come down. There's scrapes and rubs here, so I know these deer are using this as a thermal hub at nighttime because they're making all their sign right here. Um, up at the tops, similar to what your area is, and and we can explain that here in just a minute. I'll let you run over that. Up at the top, though, there's a a hard a hard shift in vegetation, and there's uh like three different age pine thickets in there. Um, and you can see it clearly from the map. Uh, Spartan Forge shows it really, really clearly. Um, because, I mean, all the 
the way Spartan Forge is, it's the wintertime imagery, the leaf off imagery, and so you can see all those different habitat types. <coughs> so um, at the tops, on the points of this, it's a really steep hub too. On all the points, there's bluffs, so there's rock bluffs, and but on the, on the furthest, uh, I guess it'd be the furthest west, east, no west, um, point, it's more of a gradual slope coming down. And I said, I'm setting up looking directly at this one because I feel like a deer would come down off of that gradual slope and then to cruise, he would turn and go underneath the bluff so that he can walk that under underneath side of the bluff the whole way around this this bowl, this hub. And, uh, and not an hour later, a deer comes running right down there. But what I did... He was just going to cruise, and I would have probably still got a shot, but it would have been a little bit further away, and he was about to go into a thicker area, so it was going to be kind of an awkward shot. So I grunted one time just really quick, and he stopped and hightailed it down to me. Um, he was coming at me. And so <coughs> I shot him, and uh, that was that was that. But it worked out very similar I think a lot of times what they do in these areas like this is they're going to just cruise it unless they smell something or hear something or see something of interest, right? Like, that's why they're there. They're there to find to find something, to find a doe or to pick a fight, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so, in my case, yep. he was he was coming to try to pick a fight. <clears throat> that's right, and that, and that was the my case with both my deer, if you – if you looked at him after that, I mean, they had scars all over him. Uh, the last year I killed the biggest one, he had a broke, he broke his back leg fighting and had a broke off brow time. And then both of them had white powder substance on their horns. I'd never seen anything like it, but I, from all I can see is it just from them, you know, locking up with another buck. Uh, it was they do pretty it. neat. I've, like they do said, cocaine up never there. Never seen that before. Look, <laughs> I, I was afraid I may need to get out of there pretty quick. <laughs> They found a they found a cocaine stash somewhere. That's why they were running around like madmen, <laughs> all hours yeah. of the day. I, they were high on coke. All of them kept coming, <laughs> kept telling all their friends. <laughs> hey, there's a bag of coke over there. Y'all need to go snort some of that. Um, <clears throat> but it's it is a it has become a. I, so I hunted another one. I don't typically hunt these spots. If I'm being honest, like. It's not ever something on the map that I really look at and say, "Hey, I'm going to go hunt this thermal hub." Like I'm not, I'm not scouting for those or anything like that. But a lot of times, I end up finding one kind of on accident. The reason why I went to this area in the first place years ago was because of the hard transition lines up at the top of those ridges. And and while that's great to me, that tells me, yeah, there's probably going to be deer traveling around here. Uh, because of the habitat yep. diversity. Close. Um, yeah, but those those hubs like that, I mean, I wasn't hunting on any type of hard edge like I talk about so much, you know. Um, I, it was, I'm not going to say it was open hardwoods, but it was fairly open, a few little thickets within the within that bowl, but for the most part, it was it was pretty wide open. And it seems like for your, where you were at, um, sets up real similar at the, at the tops, there was some, really good transitions of habitat yeah they're uh you know it had its bit of pretty woods and then it's thickets you know as well um basically it was surrounded by an entire thicket except for one side and um you know i i told myself you know i, I guess maybe five years ago that i was not going to hunt pretty woods anymore um because that's where everybody set up I tried to walk through ugly stuff to find it, but the first book I pretty much set up in pretty woods um, up next to the, the top transition. There's a pine thicket on the top and then natural regeneration to all my other sides. Um, so it was a natural, natural thicket for these deer to walk in, but it wasn't, it wasn't too thick. It was, you know, a lot of times I'll see these pine thickets that are just like dog hair, thick rabbit hunting and, some people say they think bucks will live in there. Some people just say there's just does there. But this one, it was like, it had some openings in it. 
And I just feel like a buck can, you know, he can kind of do – he can chase easier in there. He can do his deal. And that's what I came to find, find out on the second deer I, I shot. I went there the morning before. It was a, a high wind morning. Um, I sat there and a buck grunted 75 yards in front of me in that thicket. I couldn't see him. But he was cruising in that thicket right there using that and the thermal hub as well because I was, sta- I was sitting on a ridge. Uh, so he was just making a big loop all, all around me all morning, um, which then the next day I was like, well, I'm going to get a little bit closer to the thicket. I ended up doing it. And that the, the big buck I shot came up from the bowl. He, he walked right down the middle of the bowl and then came up to the ridge, go into that thicket to either check for more does or go in there to bed. Um, it could have been, you know, both both for him, but it was – it was, it was pretty neat because I didn't expect him to come out from there because I'm not used to hunting, you know, a thermal hub during the rut. You know, I, I tend to stay away from them, just kind of like you said. But it was neat to now add that tool to my bag. Um, what time did you shoot used. that buck, the second one? I shot him at 7.15. So, and what time did you shoot the first one? 9.30. All right. So, let's talk about this, okay? Uh, and I thought I thought you had told me you shot him at seven fifteen. At seven fifteen, in hill country and big tall woods like this, a lot of times at seven fifteen the sun has not come up quite over, and so your thermals are still pulling down. And so you mm-hmm. caught a buck. What it sounds to me like, and I'm not making like this is literally just for helping people understand how these work. I, I know where. Early in the morning, this gets weird. Early in the morning, your thermals are going to be pulling, and so they're going to use the lower part. If a buck happens to be cruising through there early in the morning, he's still going to be down low like he would be at night because thermals are still pulling. So he's still getting the advantage. It's just going to be down low, if that makes sense. And and so that's why, that's what you said. I didn't expect him to come from there. Um, and it's, it's a giant, it's a giant puzzle. Thermals to me are one of the funnest and most frustrating things involved in deer hunting. Like, yeah, without I, a doubt. I look back on, I look back on so many hunts now and I'm like, well, why'd that let me? Well, because my thermals were dropping, you mm-hmm. know, or, or, you know, evening hunts. That's when I got busted the most is because my thermals were dropping. I didn't know how to manage that, but Back to that that deer with how we were talking with, you know, you'll see in the video, the sun is not up, you know, it's still kind of, you know, hazy. Um, But my thermals indeed are dropping and my, I had a south wind. So it was hitting me the way I was facing, it was hitting me in the face. So that, that buck was using, you know, like you said, he was running that middle line between both, you know, wind check areas. And you can set up in those type of places that are, like today, I was set up in a in a way where uh, the creeks are great because water pulls thermals and it also pushes thermals the best, right? Once that water heats up, it starts yeah. it starts pushing a little bit harder. And I was from where this buck was at. I shot him at nine o'clock, so thermals were already already starting to rise. But the wind direction was in my face, and I was on the other side of a creek from where this buck was at so even though the thermals are rising my therm the water was pushing the creek was pushing me back up the opposite side so behind me because i was on just the just the i was in the bottom but just the tiniest where it starts sloping up behind me so the wind's in my face and the thermals are pulling in my face now he was probably smelling from that creek on the thermals were rising up that way but it was almost creating like a like a split right from that creek system so there's the puzzle piece right when people talk about well how do you even set up in a thermal hub and a lot of times in the hill country you just can't because wind is going to swirl it's it's a guess you're you're literally just guessing but today we didn't have really high winds so i didn't figure it was going to swirl too bad um but once that sun came out i definitely felt it i mean and you can really you can you can hear when the thermals start rising again. The the woods just come alive. Birds start chirping more. 
squirrels start doing their barking more. And, and you can almost tell the exact moment that it happens um, because the woods just erupt with noise all of a sudden. And um, and a lot of times you'll you'll catch those bucks doing just what your first buck did where he was just cruising the top, smelled your uh, doe, um, doe and heat or whatever you had on your boots and decided he wanted to go over and see what that was all about. <coughs> yeah, it, he was, uh, yeah, I could tell he was curious, you know, how he was, he put his head down, he mm-hmm. stopped, smell, then go, go back to his, his regular thing. Um, but they, you know, and then when you find a rutting deer, it's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. They act different. Do you will never see again, you know, we're coming out of the woodworks. I mean, that the second bug I killed, he snort wheezed. I've never heard a deer snort wheeze in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, that's just, you know, I don't know. You don't find what you, we hear the stories of rutting deer, the sweet November and all, all that, you know, ours is usually January, February, but where I was, you know, we, you can chase the rut in Alabama, whatever. I, I noticed a big difference in hunting in Kentucky with the vocalizations of deer. Um, our buddy Hunter Lindsay, his first day in the tree in uh, in Kentucky, he had a pretty nice buck snort wheeze at a doe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and that was that was pretty cool, you know. And we go to Kentucky, and guys in our camp are like, "Oh my gosh, I just heard buck." We had a group text. People were like, "I heard buck roar." It's like bucks roar. I didn't even know they had a roar. Yeah. I didn't know they had a roarer. Um, I, I heard more. I heard more grunts last week than I have probably uh-huh. my whole hunting career. I mean, they just just hot, just bet, bet, bet. You know, every step. You know, like I hear stories. You know, of people in at Terra Wildlife in Vicksburg, Mississippi. My dad goes there and he talks about how the bucks, when they're on a doe, they're grunting every step. Uh-huh. You know, just hot, hot on the hills. It's pretty cool whenever you get to see deer act like deer. I I've. I've enjoyed it, you know, this past week for me, um, I, I've seen a bunch of deer, young bucks over here starting to chase pretty hard, and, uh, I've seen first day, uh, Sunday morning, I saw 13, Monday morning, I saw, and this is, when I say morning, I mean, like, from daylight till 12 o'clock or 1, um, Mm -hmm. Monday morning, I saw 10. And yesterday morning I saw six, and then this morning I just saw one. But he was doing the right thing. He was he was the right deer that I wanted to shoot, and he was doing what I wanted him to do. Um, one one is all you need. Yep, that's right. It's uh, it's it's just interesting though. I, I think a lot of people probably are going to listen to this and kind of look back and say, "Oh, okay, you know, I get why that worked, or I get why maybe I got busted and my wind was supposed to be right." Um, I, I will right. say, and, go ahead. And, and I, well, I was just going to say, I think you've done a good job simplifying what therm, you know, the basics of a thermals rising, dropping sun, sunrises, sunsets, and then just what it looks like on a map. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like I said, we get caught up trying to over overthink a map or overthink a strategy. Just, just simplify it, go hunting, say, Hey, this is what I think it is. And you stick to what you think it is until somebody tells you otherwise. Sure, and and the um, the, the the best way I know how to simplify it is uh, find those habitat diversities. We talked about that. I talked about it in last week's episode with uh, uh, Ben Harrison and Matt Powell. I talk about it all the time. Finding those hardline transitions—that's a good starting point, right? Because those are easy things to find on a map. But then you start putting together these terrain features and understanding how bucks. Use how does a buck use a saddle? How does a buck use a bench? Um, how does that line up with these hard edges? Uh, you know, things like um, bluffs, like I talked about earlier. I just assumed because it makes sense. It's like it's like common sense, right? Like if we if you and I were going to go for a walk on a mountain, we're probably not going to walk right on the edge of that bluff. We're probably going to try to get underneath the bluff so that we can walk a little bit easier and not fall down to our death um, off of that bluff wall. Yep. <clears throat> and deer are going to do the same thing. They don't want they don't want to walk the edge of a bluff like that if they don't have to. 
they're going to get down right underneath it, which it basically most of the time underneath a bluff makes a bench, right? Um, yeah. There's a flat area right there, and so they can just kind of walk through that way. But there's there's so many different things that can line up, and a lot of it's common sense. The thing that's not, the thing that really is a little bit confusing is thermals. And I know it's trendy, uh, and I don't know if you use this. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you don't, but I could be wrong. Do, do you drop milkweed? I have redneck milkweed. Okay. Cotton? Oh, no, it's a, it's a plant that grows in a cutover that's you, – you'll see it early uh, fall. Uh, it's really a white substance in the south. It, I mean, I've never found a milkweed plant before. I don't go up there, and I'm not going to buy it. Um, but, yeah. I, hey, Tennessee, bro. Season, I, yeah, Tennessee has got a lot of there it. A little bit. Just, I got to I got to find it. But I, I, like, I like dropping it. I like seeing what's going on. Um, I've learned a lot with it this year. I'm almost out of it, actually. I need to get some more. But, uh, yeah, I, I use it. So that that's one thing that's really taught me a lot. And, and it's trendy, and people talk about it like it's, you know, best thing in deer hunting. But it really does help you visualize, like, what, what your thermals are doing. Um, like powder and that kind of stuff, won't, you won't get the full visualization of what, your wind is doing and you can literally watch it um like float to a water source and just hover above that water source or it'll if your thermals are pulling down like in the evening or early in the morning or a cloudy day you'll watch it just go straight to that water and then just drop right in the water if your thermals are rising you'll see it it'll it'll go down with your wind and then once it hits where the thermals are are rising at it'll just kind of just sit there for a minute and then it may go the opposite direction from you. It's it's a it's a cool illustration for people to be able to see what their scent is actually doing in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I used to think, you know, <coughs> I had to have the wind blow, blow blowing, you know, to blow my scent. Well, no. Where where does your scent go when the wind's not blowing? Well, it's doing whatever the thermals are doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is pretty neat. You know, it could be dropping straight to your stand and just spreading out from there it could be going every which way and even on like talk, going back to thermal hubs um even on like a, a a low to moderate wind uh like miles per hour or whatever wind strength um a lot of times those big ridges like that in and in, in the hills like where we're hunting at it's going to block a lot of that wind so your thermals will still be at play only in these hubs the only time I find that your thermals are not in play is when the wind is just insane, you know, really strong winds. And uh, and even though your thermals might not be in play, that wind is going to roll down into those hubs and they're just going to just swirl like crazy. And so, you know, it's still, it's still an advantage for a deer to be in those areas because they're still catching wind swirling, you know, all around. And yeah. I think a lot of times too, I'll see they, they'll bed off of those points um, because of that. You know, they get the they get thermals are playing. If the wind's strong, it just always offers an advantage for them. And, uh, and for a gun hunter, dude, they're awesome. I am, I am figuring this out too. Uh, you know, I'm talking about it like I've been hunting them for 20 years and I haven't, but um, I'm I'm really trying to learn everything i can about them because they seem to be pretty productive right now this time of year right yeah i i used to steer away from them because i used to just strictly bow hunt um so i mean for them to run you know they got four or five ridges they could possibly run down you know you that's hard to cover with a bow i mean yeah. it's possible but uh you know my buddy clayton bond gun, killed a big a big buck in kentucky this year in a thermal hub with really? a bow yeah Yep, he sure did, and and Crazy. I think they can still work, but you're just they're hard to hunt. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. really tough to hunt with a bow, but you can definitely do and it. And I, I've you know I've had the deer skirt me at eighty yards and wish I had my gun during gun season, but I had my bow. Um, but now I've got the rifle in my hands now most most of the time during gun season. It, I mean, 
that's what I was telling, uh, I have uh, a friend coming to hunt with me this weekend, um, and he's not from the South, and uh, we were just kind of having a little conversation about gun hunting and versus bow hunting and all this stuff. I said, you know, it's like in in Alabama, our gun season literally runs, you can hunt with a rifle in Alabama from in some zones, uh, November, the, the first weekend in November, so this weekend, this year it was the 6th, I think last year it was November 1st, all the way through February the 10th, <clears throat> you can have a gun in your hand. Long time. And so guys out here, you know, people like you and I, we were just raised rifle hunting, because that's what, that's what you did, you had so much time to rifle hunt, that's just what you did. If you wanted to get an extra month in, you picked up a bow, and you'd hunt with a bow for a month. And then you, you know, once rifle season opened up, that was that was the real opening day, right? Um, mm-hmm. But guys, you know, in other states like even like Kentucky, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan, Pennsylvania, they just have like weeks of gun season. You know, it's not even a month most of the time. They got a couple weeks to gun hunt, and then it's back to bow. So if you want to hunt, right. you have to hunt with a bow. If you want to hunt the rut in most of these states, you have to do it with a bow. So that's how they're raised, you know. It's all. So you're all. You're only a product of what how you're raised, and so I think I love, I love guys like Aaron Warbritton, uh, Zach Farrenball, the guys from Hunting Public. Um, they're they're a higher profile than creators like you and I, and they're uh, they're making gun hunting great again. You know, they're highlighting. Truly, what their what their vision is is to represent the the hunting public, the the general population mm-hmm. of deer hunters, and uh, I love that they'll they'll pick up a rifle, even though they're from Iowa and Missouri and those states like that. But when it's gun season, man, they will pick up a gun, and I love it because I think a lot of us you can see it all over social media where guys will kill a deer with a rifle and they won't put the picture of the right they won't put the rifle in the in the picture, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I, I used to, be, I I used to be that guy. Oh, you killed it with that? That's easy. Kill it with a rifle, you know. Go shoot it with a bow. Well, nah, not <laughs> not anymore. No, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's just fun. It, yeah, it is. Just go out there and <laughs> shoot something. Yeah, and it's still hard. Like, let's be honest. Oh, it's still hard. It is very hard. I've been I've been busting very my hard. butt it's, the last four days, you know, straight. Since I started, you know, with my gun season, and it, I mean, it's still hard to kill one with a rifle. Yeah, it's, it's not you, easy. You just you just can't go sit up that sit up, see two hundred yards every which away and shoot a deer. You know, it's, no, dude, I don't even sight my I sight my gun in at fifty yards. <laughs> like that's about where I'm at. The two deer I shot, they were I think seventy yards was the furthest. Yep, which was the first one. I find that most deer that I shoot with a with a gun. I could have probably shot with a bow, just because of the type of areas that I hunt. But yep, that's the uh, the bonus buck last year. Uh, where we went, he's at ten yards. Yeah, I mean it's just that's how we hunt, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's where the deer live uh, in those tight tight quarters. It's fun though because all the all of the unknowns. You know, when you shoot a deer with a bow, the hunt just started. You know. When you when you shoot him with your bow, unless you see him drop, there's all kinds of thoughts. Well, I hope I hit him good, man. I hope whatever. You shoot him with a rifle, and they drop right there, and you can just start celebrating in the tree, man. There ain't nothing like it. It's fun. Man, <laughs> you, I, I I have a different thought on that. I, I feel I'm more confident shooting with my bow because I have my footage to look back on where my luminot hit him, and I know where I hit him. Yeah. Well. The, the the second buck I shot, um, I had no idea where I hit this deer. I shot at him <laughs> twice. I didn't even know if I hit him. I was, you know, biggest buck I've ever shot. I'm stressed out that I killed the thing, and I I don't know. I looked back at the footage. I couldn't tell where I hit him, um, but it ended up going in my favor. So yeah, that's just the anticipation of getting down and going and finding them. Yep, that's true. Well, man, I won't take up too much of your time. I've at this point, I've been up for twenty twenty one hours. I'm tired. I'm gonna sleep in tomorrow. 
dad's coming into town. We're going to start rutcation, and we're going to get back to it on Friday. But tomorrow is uh, try to get some recharge. Rest up and get ready for a full week with your dad. Yep, yep. And then the next two weeks are going to be full. <laughs> They're going to be. <laughs> it, it keeps going. We got till February 10th. I know. It kind of, like, I'm, I, I want to not work myself to death. But at the same time, like, there ain't nothing like being tagged out early. I love it. <laughs> I, would, I enjoyed it last year. I've I've got one deer I'm gonna I think I'm gonna chase and I'm gonna try to get him on a bow before the season goes out. And uh maybe we can get back up together and go on a bonus buck hunt if we're fortunate enough to have a season like we did last year. Well, here's the thing, we need to do it just go ahead and do a bonus buck hunt because even if we're not even if we're not tagged out we can still shoot. We can tag out on the bonus buck hunt. <laughs> hey, doesn't go to your uh, yearly tag. So, yep. yeah. Yep. All right, dude. Well, thanks for – hey, wait. Before we get off this, off of this, uh, we've been talking. We've been referencing your videos quite a bit. Where can people watch your videos and stuff? So, you can find my videos on YouTube at Southern Pursuit. Um, it's just spell it out. It's really easy to see. Um, and then I've got Instagram, Facebook, uh, Southern Pursuit as well. I usually post the links in my bios there. You can find that. So that's really all I got. Like I said, guys, one of my favorite creators out there. Genuine dude. Uh, calls his dad Diddy. I mean, he's country's cornbread and uh, going out there and getting things done. So thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.